You're listening to another episode of Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are the go-to podcast for students and new grad speechies who know a little about a lot, giving you our unprofessional but professional advice that you didn't know you needed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today on the podcast, we are interviewing Kate Thompson, the founder and director of Speechies a paediatric and adult private practice across Northern, Central and Southern Queensland. We chat to Kate about her career experience working in the disability and AAC sector through to opening her business, Speechies. Kate also chats about how Speechies is so successful in supporting new graduates and early career speech pathologists and gives some great advice for new Speechies beginning their careers. We loved this chat with Kate and we hope you do too. So here's Kate. Hi, Kate, and welcome to Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are so excited to be chatting with you today, and we are really keen to learn more about your career and your business, Speechies. Hi. Hey, guys. How are you going? Yeah, we're really good. How are you? Good. So as we mentioned in our introduction, we are really excited to have you on. We have had a little brief look. We've done our study. We've had a look at your SpeechEase website and it's got so much information on the website and we particularly love all of the information that you have about each employee. It just looks super fun, all the photos. (laughs) Yeah, we did have a ball taking some of those photos uh, at one of our team days this year, actually. Uh, got a lot of color and glitter and all sorts of things. It was fun. It's really nice. And I love the big description because I think especially for clients reading about your therapist, it's nice to get a little background information. And it's really nice. Like now we know that you really love animals and you wanted to be a vet. And also on your profile, it discussed your journey to becoming a speech pathologist. So you mentioned that you had a chat with your sister's friend who was a speechy and this made you want to study. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you wanted to become a speechy? Yeah, so when I was at school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd never heard of a speech pathologist like most of Australia. And I was trying to figure out what it was that made me sparkle, I guess. I was hearing about other professions out there and my sister's friend came over for dinner and she was talking about what a speech pathologist is and what she's doing. And it was just so interesting and exciting for me. So I started Googling it, uh, looked it up in the QTAC book and was like, yeah, this is the dream. And so (laughs) I started studying it and I've loved it ever since. I think that's probably the way most of us started out in speech pathology was asking a friend of a friend and, you know, going into those QTAC books and, you know, flicking through the pages. So it was obviously meant to be because here you are today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So with all of our guests, we really love to know a little bit more about your experience and how you've gotten to where you are today. Can you give us a quick rundown on your career thus far? Any highlights or low moments or even a crazy client story, if you can share? Okay. So I studied at James Cook Uni and I graduated in the middle of 2013. From there, I started working with disability services and I was working predominantly in the adult team, but only for a few months before we became across the lifespan and we worked with both children and adults. And during that, I had been working as a support worker for CPL while I was at uni 
and I loved working with people with disabilities. So that's where my passion for working with disabilities really started to ignite and and become more and more part of what I wanted to do. So then I started working in disability services uh, and the NDIS was a looming uh, funding body that was coming. There wasn't a lot of information about it. And we were made redundant in our roles, the therapy team at Disability Services. And I thought, well, I really want to keep working with people with disabilities. Um, I realized they were privatizing the sector. I actually went and did a little bit with the NDIS for three months. I was a case manager for a little bit and then decided to go out on my own and give it a go, which has had so many high points and lots of low points along the way. Um, In terms of just learning curves, there's been a lot of things to learn that I didn't realize. I opened Speechies in 2016 and it's just grown from there. And then a crazy client story. I feel like working with people with disabilities, there's um, quite a lot. (laughs) I know. You have to like have a document or start writing a book because every day there's something funny that they say or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think one of my favourite things about working with people with disabilities is them finding a voice and communicating and advocating for themselves. So I really love when our kids or our adults will start saying no to us about something. And then another little boy, uh, well, he was about 10, actually, he was learning to use pod to communicate. And he had learnt that when he had to finish a session, he was meant to say goodbye. Um, That was part of the, the script that he was learning. And so he learnt that saying goodbye meant the session was finished. So he came in one day and he like said hello, said how he felt and then said goodbye and got up and left. And I was like, wow, that was really well done. <laughs> like, but you know, you're not supposed to say it right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, but let's do two or three activities first. <laughs> that reminds me like last year when we were all on telehealth because of the clinic being closed. A lot of my clients just worked out if they closed the screen, they didn't have to deal with me. And so if they would become frustrated, they'd just close it and walk away. And then I'd, and I'd have the parents coming back home being like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that eject button from a car of like, we're done, get out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's never a dull moment, that's for sure. You mentioned that you worked for NDIS for a little bit. So that would have been interesting, kind of learning the ropes of it before you start your own business. I reckon probably everyone should (laughs) do that, you know, (laughs) because you would have been able to learn a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It was really helpful. It was when it first rolled out in Queensland. So Townsville was the first site to roll out. So it was very much still in the new stages. They were still very much figuring out how things were going to be as well. But I think it has really helped to understand what they are trying to achieve and where to find information. So where to find their guidelines and the act and all of that sort of stuff to be able to talk to it when I need to. It sounds like you're really passionate about working with clients with disabilities. And on our little research from your um, from your little I'm going to call it a bio. What is it? A description on your page. It says that you're a committee member for Agoski. And for anyone listening, this is an inclusive group interested in enhancing participation in people with complex communication needs. So this gives us a little bit of information about the area of practice that you really enjoy seeing. Um, or, well, I guess I should say you used to see because you're a boss lady now <laughs> and your <laughs> yeah. role mostly consists of supporting your team 
But when you were working clinically, what kind of areas would you mostly see? I mostly worked with people who were nonverbal. So looking at finding alternative communication systems for them. So I did a lot of work in the AAC space. When I was working clinically, I was working with people who had complex communication needs, were mostly nonverbal and were using alternative communication systems or needed to find an alternative communication system. And I did a lot in terms of multimodal communication. So looking at having a high tech, a low tech and a no tech option for communication. So that was the main area that I worked in, but I did do a fair bit in pediatric feeding and oral aversions. But I do love being a generalist. I really love to work with anything and everything. And I used to consider myself, well, my goal was to be a specialist generalist. I don't consider that I was a specialist at all in anything, Um, but I wanted to be a specialist generalist. I wanted to know everything about everything and be able to work with anyone who came through the doors. So interesting. Ash and I have always spoken about how, you know, how many skills you can have being a generalist and knowing a little bit about a lot really. And so I can just imagine you knowing a lot about a lot, (laughs) how much study and sort of professional development you would have had to do to really like refine your skills in a lot of areas. I can definitely say that, you know, working with disabilities is something that I'm not super confident in. Working with AAC is something that I'd probably put it, you know, down the bottom for my skill set. Do you have any tips for other therapists who are interested in sort of working in these areas or upskilling in these areas? Mm. It's funny you say that because that's something I hear a lot. So I do supervision with other therapists that aren't on my team. That's something that comes up a lot is around working with people with AAC. And that's something that is big on my radar or on my goals list to change is to have speech pathologists graduating, understanding how to work with it from the beginning. And so that's one of my painted pictures is to have training available and to provide that coaching and mentoring to speech pathologists outside of speeches so that we can best support our clients across the whole country and state. But in terms of advice, I have found the introduction to pod training as one of the best PD for somebody who's new to AAC. It obviously explains how to use a pod and how pod was made and all of that sort of thing. But I think its philosophies and the, the way that it talks about how you implement AAC can be generalized across to any AAC option that you're using. So I think that's one of the best resources out there. And also the Agoski Conference is usually held every two years. And that's where there's so many different speakers that come from, well, they used to come from overseas and they would present on all the different AAC that's out there. All the suppliers attend so you can walk around and you can have a play with all the different devices and see how it works. Meet people that are using it as well, because I think that's one of the things we don't see enough of is people that are proficient AAC users and have autonomous communication. There's so much to learn with AAC. It's one of the areas that I really love. Cassie and I are like the polar opposites on that. I would see all clients for AAC and Cassie's like, no, don't come near me. But you're right. And I really liked how you said, you know, one of your goals is for uni students to come out already knowing all of, you know, how to use AAC and implement it. Because when I first started, I had no idea how to do PECs. I had no idea even what a pod book was. I was thinking, like this is just stupid and it's too much and you know so it can be really overwhelming but it's definitely a big area that 
needs to be learned yeah. for a lot of us, I think. Yeah. And I think because more and more therapists are going into private practice and more and more private practice are working with people that have NDIS funding, so who have disabilities and usually complex communication needs, I think it's becoming a bigger part of what we do than what it used to be. So yeah, I think there's definitely some gaps that we can fill. Yeah. I'm actually doing that introduction to pod workshop. Is it in two weeks? In two weeks. Mm, Is that the one in Brisbane? Gold Coast? They hold them pretty regularly. Yeah. Amazing. You'll love it. I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) But it sounds like you've had, you know, a really interesting career and I guess not a, in a very specific area, you know, like AAC and feeding, you have to do a lot of extra study and to get, you know, skills in that area. But let's get into learning more about your private practice. So as we mentioned, it's called Speech Ease. So we just want to know what moments led to you starting Speechies and how did you decide to take, you know, the brave leap and start your own private practice? So like I said, it was around the NDIS starting for for me to make me think, well, now's a good time to give it a go. I was lucky enough that I was in a position where I could work full-time hours over four days a week with the government still. Um, and then work in my practice two days a week. So I was able to get it started without too much of a risk to my income. So I took the the leap of faith and I started it and then I slowly changed that balance. So I started doing um, three, like 0.7 over three days a week and then and starting doing three days in the clinic and just slowly changed that balance until it was at a point that I couldn't do both anymore. And I was like, well, what have I got to lose? So that was over a 12 month period that kind of stagnant growth and then within about three months I had a wait list and I needed to put on my first speechy and I became a bit of an accidental manager (laughs) Um, I I didn't know how to be a manager I was still learning how to run a business and all the ins and outs of what business meant so then that was for about 12 months as well and then at the start of 2017, I was asked to go down to Mackay. So this was in Townsville and I was asked to go to Mackay, which I would do on weekends because I didn't think it was fair to my clients to stop seeing them just so I could go to Mackay. And then I put on a speech pathologist there and then that clinic grew about three months ago, the Brisbane clinic opened. So it's only just recently that you've yeah. opened Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. So at the start of July, Brisbane opened. Yeah. That's so exciting and I'm actually really glad to hear that there's another speech pathology clinic in Brizzy because we've got such a large waiting list and it's nice to know like who's popping up that we can refer to and it's just, you know, building those connections as well. I think it's it's really great and really exciting for you too to branch out, I guess, so far south from where you had originally started. Yeah, yes, yeah. So I now live in Brisbane as well. So I moved down here about two years ago. So it has been, again, that's been a learning curve too, running the, the clinics remote and then amongst that COVID happened so yeah lots of learning curves along the way but it's been an incredible journey and the team are amazing I'm sure you guys are great too but I have an amazing team (laughs) that's so nice (laughs) well can you tell us more about speechies so your team for one and how you manage three clinics (laughs) Yeah, so I had to give up something. 
I found I wasn't doing anything well for a while there when I still had a full caseload. So I wasn't a good therapist to my clients. I wasn't a good support to my team and I was doing absolutely nothing on the business front. So I realized I had to do something and I realized that my my impact, I guess, would be bigger if I was supporting my team to be able to work with people with complex needs. So I ended up handing over a lot of my caseload and went fully into the clinical lead role so that I could offer regular supervision and support. And I still do a little bit of consulting work, but more so to assess and give some ideas rather than do anything ongoing. So the team now we have four therapists in Townsville, seven in Mackay, and one on maternity leave, so eight. And one in Brisbane at the moment, but we have just put on three more for Brisbane and one more for Townsville. So yeah, it's it's an exciting time at the moment. It's a pretty big team. Yeah, yes, yeah, it is. It's been awesome though, because they're, I don't know, I think there's something really special about working with people who have the same vision that I have and to work with people with complex needs and I guess impart a lot of that knowledge and a lot of that passion and to see them saying things that I've said before like recently one of the team we were doing we do quarterly check-ins and she was she started out with some people with complex needs at the start of the year wasn't 100% sure about it but at the last review she started talking about how much she loved it and she was saying all these things and I got really teary to see how far she'd come on this journey and I was like yes another one like it was very exciting (laughs) you're almost like watching them grow yeah yeah I really love that (laughs) that's so lovely and I guess it's really critical as well you know during the interview process and Cassie and I have spoken about it previously in other episodes how important it is to make sure you're finding like the right workplace with people that are really similar to you and you know it just makes work so much easier and it sounds like you've been really successful in finding employees that are really similar to you and it just creates a really positive workplace yeah yeah is are you, do you only see pediatrics or do you see adults as well can you just give us a little bit more information about the types of clients that speechies offers oh yes yeah. Yeah, so we work across the lifespan and we work with pretty much any domain of speech pathology except for things like tube feeding or complex voice that, you know, require feasts and that sort of stuff. But yeah, we work with pretty much anything else within people's own scopes. So we talk to people around what they feel confident in, if there's areas that they're not so confident in and they need some more support with, we'll work with them to help them get that support so that they can do a really good job with their clients. I think that's really important that you can recognize, you know, even though you might interview somebody, you're finding out like what their areas of strength are for them and their areas of areas to improve. And you you sound like you're quite well set up to be able to provide that support. And I think as Ash and I have mentioned before in some of our episodes, that's really important to look out for. And it's really important that you're going to be going to a workplace that can offer that. Mm. A huge part of starting this podcast was for us to communicate to other speech pathologists and students about working life and, you know, make sure they're aware of what like a normal workload is and that line between a good work-life balance. We are really conscious of burnout, especially in that new graduate and early career population. So I guess just following on from that, can you delve a little bit further into how speechies supports their staff members and more specifically new grads and early career professionals, particularly working with such I guess a vast range of clients Mm, yeah yeah I think it 
I think burnout is one of the biggest risks to our profession as a whole, particularly how under-resourced we are as a profession across the whole country. It's something that I really don't want is for us to be contributing to people leaving the profession altogether because that's not going to help the country as a whole or or the communities that we work in. So it is something I'm really conscious of as well. And I have listened to a couple of podcasts and I really love how much you guys talk about getting that support and asking the right questions and understanding what the onboarding of new clients looks like and that sort of stuff. And like I said, we've learned a lot. So in the beginning, there was no induction process. I, Like I said, I was full-time clinical as well. And the training and supports that I was offering were subpar at best. Um, It was not great, but we have learned a lot. So we now have a really structured induction process that the first five weeks and beyond. And in those first five weeks, they're really learning about how we do things and starting to build up their caseload. And then we slowly, slowly from there, increase the number of clients that they see per week over the rest of the year. So we slowly build up to 23 hours a week, but that's by the end of the first year. And then we do a lot of PD as well. And we have uh, played with this over the years and have found that the first year, the best PD for our team to do based on the variety of clients they see is that intro to pod more than words and sounds right. And then in their second year, they go to SOS and prompt. And we also do intro to Auslan in there as well. But we're focused not just on creating amazing clinical therapists, but also like we started talking about the burnout side of things. So we do some team coaching with YesAnd, which is a developmental coaching company that talk a lot about the um, you know, line of responsibility, where do your boundaries start and finish, um, setting boundaries, sticking to them. What are the stories that we tell ourselves that aren't helping? So when we look at our to-do list and we're like, oh, I'm so busy, that's adding to that feeling of I'm so busy. And so how do we work through some of those, all of those sorts of things. So looking at the professional side as well as the clinical. That sounds like such a nice program to do, you know, that would be really beneficial. I think everyone would be able to take something away from that and just changing that frame of mind to yeah oh, I'm so busy to, I don't know what else you would say, but it just well, would be. we still say it. <laughs> <laughs> we still say it, you know, oh, today's been busy. Um, and, and it is the case, like we are busy people. It's more around looking at it and going, yes, I am busy and I can do this and this and about it rather than I'm so busy, what can I do about it? I feel like I need to do that course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> I just wallow in like my busyness and then I get overwhelmed and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we found too. Like our team were you know, expressing feelings of overwhelm and burnout and I could physically see they were exhausted. And, and I was like, oh no, this is, this is not okay. I really want them to feel healthy and well and excited to be at work. So yeah, we started looking at other supports that we can offer them to, to help them navigate both the clinical and the professional side of things. Yeah, that's really nice. And I like how you mentioned about accommodating everyone's different workload as well, because, you know, there is some people that just like to be really busy and would see heaps of clients, Mm -hmm. but then there is other people that need a little bit more time. So it's nice that SpeechEase is able to accommodate for that. And yeah. Yeah. And that's something we, like I said, we've learned. There used to be, you know, a general rule that to help 
mitigate cancellations. Everyone had to book a certain above, certain amount above their caseload. But then we found for some of our team, their clients never cancelled or very few and far. And so they were just smashed with clients compared to some of the team that had a caseload with lots of medically complex kids and had much higher cancellation rates. And so we started looking at, well, let's look at it at your caseload and base it on what your cancellation numbers are for each individual rather than it being a blanket rule. So yeah, I definitely think we need to treat people as individuals because they are and their caseloads are not the same and no two clients are the same. So really checking in around where those people are at. All of the boring stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All of the boring stuff. Putting it it in a nice way. (laughs) I think it's really nice that you, although you're a boss and you're a businesswoman as well, you're, you know, quite personable and you're able to sit down with your employees and actually say, hey, you know, let's look at this from, from your perspective. You know, what do you need? And I think in a private practice, that's something that's really, really important. I was just going to ask one quick question. Mm-hmm. Because you're in Townsville, Mackay and Brisbane, is there times where everyone gets to meet up and, you know, have team days? And how does that kind of look? Because they are so far, far away from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's still something we're figuring out. So we recently had, a we called it team week, but for two of the days, that was the leadership team getting together. And then two of the days was the whole team getting together. And we all met in Mackay to do that. And that worked really well. But what I found was for the people that lived in Mackay, so we obviously had accommodation for anyone that traveled, but for the people that lived in Mackay, they went home, which is great. But then missing out on some of those other conversations that happen when you're sharing a room with somebody. So we're actually looking at now that the team is getting bigger, looking at other solutions like school camp facilities, but not quite so dodgy sounding as that sounds. Mm -hmm. But something like that where we can all go together and spend the whole time together and have those shared conversations and do some activities and all of those sorts of things. So we're looking at doing that twice a year. No, that sounds really nice. Yeah. And you're right, you know, if you choose a place where people live, they do miss out on the little fun conversations and knowing about, you know, what you had for breakfast and all of the stuff that you just don't talk about. Yeah, yeah. I remember some of the team went away for a training and I think it was more than words and a few of them all went together. Oh, it was SOS because they all went except one because she's gluten intolerant and had decided that she didn't really want to do SOS therapy because of that. And then when they came back, she would be so like, oh, that's an inside joke. (laughs) (laughs) Very jealous of the the inside jokes that they had made. (laughs) She would have felt very left out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Kate, do you have any specific advice for any speech pathologists as they are entering the workforce, particularly like for the first time and, you know, looking for jobs and attending interviews and things like that? Are there any red flags that we should be aware of when looking for a job? Yeah. What are your top tips for that kind of process? Um, I think when you're looking for a job, be aware of people selling something that they're not actually going to follow through with is something that I have noticed across the job market, particularly in the last year or so. I think private practice has had to do a lot of work to be a really good workplace. You know, over the like five years ago, it was a very different world to work in private practice, whereas now because of the NDIS, there's so much more demand there. And 
people are expecting more and rightly so but I, I have heard of a lot of places out there that will sell the dream but won't actually implement it so I think really spend some time see if you can talk to any of their other team members whether that's through the person you're doing the interview with or stalk them on LinkedIn and ask some questions trying to get a really good feel for what is actually true and I think also on that I'm very aware that private practices the ones that are trying to do it well are trying really hard and are learning along the way so I think like for our our induction process is very different now than it was even at the start of this year. So finding out that information and and finding out what it was like is may not also be what it is like currently either. So yeah, I guess be aware of that. And I think as a therapist, not to be so hard on yourself as a new graduate. So so many new grads are perfectionists and they want to do the best and they want to see outcomes immediately with their clients to show that they're doing a really good job and I think if you are working particularly in that area of people with disabilities outcomes take a very long time and they're not what we expect them to be any small win is a huge win so I think give give yourself a break and something that a colleague said to me when I first started I came out of a really tricky session it didn't go well at all lots of challenging behaviors lots of disengagement not wanting to engage with me and the speechy who was on my team said to me but did you try did you show up did you implement uh, did you include their interests did you give it a go were you one-on-one with them were you modeling all of that sort of stuff which I was obviously doing but just because I didn't get the outcome I expected didn't mean it wasn't a good session for him and sometimes that's the only one-on-one interaction that they get with someone who actually believes that they do have the capacity to learn and have the competence to learn a new way of communicating. And so if that's what the session is, that they get to sit with you for 45 minutes or an hour and have someone that genuinely cares about them and their growth and their communication, that's huge. Um, And shouldn't be undervalued as to what that means for that person. I think that's a really, really nice way to put that. And even, you know, speaking for myself, I'm obviously not a new graduate anymore, but I still struggle with that to this day, like, you know, finding the positives in some sessions that don't go as planned or like, Mm. you know, when a parent will spend half an hour of the session unloading their concerns onto you doesn't mean that you didn't do anything with the child. It means that in that session, that's what the parent needed in that time. And that's taken me a really long time to be okay with. So I think that's a really nice, uh, you know, piece of advice. Yeah. And I think for a lot of parents, they don't have anyone else that they can talk to about some of this stuff. Sometimes their parents are, you know, giving a lot of advice that may not be super helpful for that particular child or their family members don't get it, their friends don't get it. And sometimes we're the only people that get it and can understand and empathize with them. And, and finding out, like actually asking those questions of our parents. I've had a parent commit suicide before and I wish I had have asked more questions about how he was going and what was happening at home and to be able to support him through that. So not to be afraid if that is what they need to lean into that, even though it's not really our area, but to be a listening ear and an empathetic ear. And then the flip side of that is not taking on too much either. So really remembering <laughs> that that boundary line of your empathy and not 
taking on everything that the clients are going through and making it your own, really understanding that separation and being able to try and find some way to switch off, which I know is not something we're very good at. To this day, I still wander around at the shops being like, oh, that would be good for this client I had 10 years ago, (laughs) which is not super helpful. (laughs) We're so sorry to hear that you had to experience that with a parent like that would be really hard and I guess it would be really hard not to think oh why didn't I check in and you know and it and it is a nice reminder that if they want to chat then as long as you know that's what they're needing and you're not chatting about I don't know something that you've done on the weekend then just be okay with that but I think it we just learn that as we go on you know yeah 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 I think we, I guess, find that more of a balance and we start putting the pressure on ourselves to get the outcomes. And I think that's something to realise is that that's an us thing and something that we want for ourselves. And what we're all seeking is validation. We're doing a good job. Um, And that's how we've been taught to figure out if we're doing a good job or not. So finding other ways to seek that feedback. Like I said, if that's sitting there and listening, then that's is huge for that family at that time. You have given so much great information today and I think everyone listening would be um, taking a lot away from the episode. We just have one last question for you Mm. and that is what is the one thing that you wish you knew as a new grad? I think probably the one thing that would have lasted with me forever was boundaries. So if I knew that from the beginning, Um, was understanding what is my where is my line of responsibility what are my boundaries and sticking to them you know the doing that one early session for that one client turns into that one late session for that other client and you end up doing earlies and up lates every day and you're at work all day yeah I think that would have been the the most helpful thing from the beginning was to really understand boundaries and yeah what am I responsible for compared to what are other people responsible for something I think that we can all take away is definitely learning about our boundaries and that work-life balance too is really important yeah yeah Kate thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today we have really enjoyed hearing from you talk about your experience particularly in that area of disability and AAC and we have loved learning more about your private practice speeches sounds like a really supportive and fun environment yeah well one of our core values is to be professionally fun (laughs) (laughs) I like that that's that. yeah (laughs) yeah make it part of our profession to be fun (laughs) yeah those little retreats sound super fun like a little holiday well yes well they're getting they're getting there (laughs) professional though like not too (laughs) yeah professionally fun holidays yeah So if anyone is interested in finding speech ease and more information, we will link everything in the show notes. Otherwise, if you just search speech ease on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to find your page. Yeah, except there is another speech ease down in Victoria. So we're speech ease speech therapy and Um, they are speech ease speech pathology. Um, That can sometimes be a trick <laughs> oh okay great if you google speech ease speech therapy then you'll be able to find yes <laughs> yeah that's right. and her team. yeah so we'll link all of that information in the show notes thank you so much again kate it was lovely to speak to you bye thank you you too bye bye <laughs>
Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, then please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Diary of a New Grad Speechy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below. Thanks so much. See you next week.